0: Welcome to the Cowboys Beat audio podcast, streaming live on the Cowboys Beat Podcast Network, where we talk about everything related to America's team. Prescott got a carry and reach flip sets up first and goal at the. Hosted by none other than Chris K. Third and seven, blitz coming. Prescott in trouble, lofting it to the corner. You may know him from his work on TikTok, but now he's taking over the podcasting world. When I not you to take part, we're here to take over. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. Yo, what's going on guys? Welcome to the Cowboys Beat Podcast for June 26, 2023. And on today's episode, we're going to be going over the Cowboys offense going into the 2023 season. Uh, we're going to be going... Eat, over each one of their position groups. We're going to be briefly going over them. I plan on releasing more podcasts where we go in-depth with each one of these position groups, but for right now, we're going to be briefly going over them. We're also going to be going over Mike McCarthy and my expectations for him this upcoming season as well. But if you haven't already, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to hit that like button. Subscribe if you haven't already. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to leave a review. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. But without further ado, let's get into this episode. Let's talk about Mike McCarthy. I want to briefly go over this though. Is Mike McCarthy on the hot seat this season? Yeah, I think he is on the hot seat, but I think there's a lot of coaches that are coaches of good teams that are on the hot seat. I don't think that this is just exclusive to Mike McCarthy and rightfully so. Like There are expectations on this team going into this upcoming season. Now, do I believe that some of the speculation about Mike McCarthy's job is completely and utterly fabricated? Absolutely, and more so it comes from the national media. Okay, like, I don't think... Let's just say the Cowboys get to the divisional round and they lose again. I don't think Mike McCarthy loses his job. Like I don't see that happening. Now, if the Cowboys were to go in the first round and lose in the first round and something catastrophic doesn't happen, obviously, you know, we're going to knock on wood. I'm not even going to put anything out there in the universe. Then, yeah, like Mike McCarthy would probably lose his job if they don't at least stay the same from last year or progress, which is them getting the divisional round or the conference championship. If one of those two things aren't the outcome, like, yeah, I could see Mike McCarthy losing his job because this is a very good roster. They added good pieces to this roster. Mike McCarthy made a big decision to get rid of Callum Moore, a guy that the, the front office really liked. Like, they really liked Callum Moore. They wanted him to be the future coach of the Cowboys. They looked at him as a Tom Landry type guy. You know, so the fact that Mike McCarthy said, we're going to move on from this guy and we think it's the best move for this team. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on this guy going into this season. So I think that the Cowboys are going to be fine this year. I think that Mike McCarthy will most likely be the coach of this team at this time next season because I think that the Cowboys will live up to expectations this year. I just I see that happening. This is a very good football team. But when it comes to Mike McCarthy as a play caller... People are going to point to his time in Green Bay and what he did at the end of his time in Green Bay, but look at guys like Andy Reid in Philadelphia before he went to Kansas City. They wanted to run him out of town. He goes to Kansas City and he's very successful. You'll get Doug Peterson really ended on a sour note with Philadelphia, goes to Jacksonville and does great things for that team in his first year. So I don't think that just because Mike McCarthy ended things on a sour note in Green Bay, I don't think that means that... He's not going to be good for the Cowboys. I think that he'll be a perfectly fine play card for the Cowboys this upcoming season. Sometimes you just need to change his scenery. And we saw that with Andy Reid and we saw that with Doug Peterson and, and look at what that got them, you know? So to me, I'm not all too worried about Mike McCarthy as a play card, but I do understand why people have questions about Mike McCarthy. I, I understand that, you know? When I look at this offense, I don't necessarily think they're going to be married to a certain philosophy. Like, we know what Mike McCarthy is famous for, and that's that West Coast offense. I don't think the Cow- Cowboys are going to be married to that scheme. I think there's going to be a lot of principles from the West Coast, but I don't think it's going to be 100% West Coast. Like, I think that they're going to take things that worked from, you know, the Kellen Moore time with the Cowboys with that air Coriel offense. And I think they're going to mix some West coast principles into that offense. Because to me, like there were times where I would look at some of the play designs from Callum Moore, and I'm like, that is an excellent play design. Why don't you use that more often? Why don't you use this play design where, you know, you're able to, to, to take attention away from the middle of the field and have CD wide open on a crosser instead of doing four curls when it's third and eight against San Francisco. Why aren't you doing more of, you know, the, the more exotic type of play calls where he does a good job, moving safeties and linebackers and opening up certain parts of the field so that receivers can manipulate those parts of the field. Why aren't you doing that more often? So I don't necessarily think the play designs, I I think there was a lot of good play designs from Calmore. I just don't think he called them enough. So when I hear that they're going to get rid of what 30% of the playbook or 30% of the playbook is going to be new, I'm perfectly fine with that because I don't think the play designs were the problem. I think the problem with Callum Moore was he struggled to make adjustments. Um he was struggling to make adjustments. He wasn't good situationally. You know, he didn't understand. When something wasn't working, go away from it. He would be like, oh, you know, Doc's struggling with his, you know, seeing the field. You want to know what we're going to do? We're going to keep making him, you know, have these pure progression type of reads. Like that was the problem with the play calling this past season. There's one more thing that I always talk about with Kellen Moore. For some reason, I'm just forgetting another problem that I had with Kellen Moore. So, but th- there were certainly reasons why Kellen Moore Wasn't the guy that the Cowboys expected him to be. I think he's a good offensive coordinator, but I just think, you know, his time ran out with this football team. I was talking to RJ Ochoa about this and he was telling me a stat. Kellen Moore was one of the longest tenured offensive coordinators with a team. And and the reason for that and the reason why that's such an alarming stat is because if you're a good offensive coordinator, you get a job somewhere else. Uh, Or if you're not a good offensive coordinator, you get fired. So that was something that was very interesting to me. But yeah, I don't think the playbook was necessarily the problem. I just think the play caller was. You know, he didn't understand, okay, we're up by 14 points, let's run the football. He was just like, no, we're up by 14, let's throw the ball some more. It didn't make any sense. You know, in those situations, you put the ball in the stomach of your running back and you just let things go, you know, and and that was the problem with with Callum Moore but uh, obviously there were some more problems you know adjustments and 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 let's be honest D'Amico Ryans ate Callum Moore up for lunch you know he was very predictable as well you you hear teams talk about this Devin White literally came out and said we knew what they were going to run you know and and they said that going into the Tampa Bay game in the playoffs now granted you know he brought his bag with him for that game but I digress I went off on a little bit of a tangent when it came to Callum Moore there but I mean overall Mike McCarthy I think that I I, I might've talked about this earlier. It might not look right off the bat. It might take a few games for the Cowboys offense to really settle in and become the offense that we think it's going to be, but that's perfectly fine. I don't want to peak week one. I don't want to peak in the first six weeks of the season. I want to peak at the end of the season. I want this offense to have a natural progression of improvement throughout the course of the season and there's going to be bumps in the road. And when one of those bumps occurs, you look, okay, why why did that bump happen? Let's make an adjustment. Because that's something Kellen Moore did not do. When there was a bump in the road, Kellen Moore was just like, all right, let's just, you know, stand here and slowly go over it. And no, you just gotta get through it. You know, you gotta understand what like the reason for that bump in the road and then move on. And, and that's something Kellen Moore didn't do. And that was a big problem with him because there's going to be parts of the season where a defensive coordinator comes out and flat out has your number. He has your offense figured out. Now, when that happens, you got to make an adjustment to that. And that's something Kellen Moore didn't do. And that's something that I hope Mike McCarthy does. And if that's the case, then I think that this is going to be a perfectly fine offense. You know, like the offense is not... The reason why this team, if they win a Super Bowl, they're not going to be the best unit. It's going to be the defense that's going to be the best unit on this team. And I think that as long as the offense complements the defense, this team's going to win a ton of games this upcoming season. Let's talk about my guy for Dak Prescott. The one thing I need from Dak this upcoming season is to just be efficient. I don't need him to be this big playmaker this upcoming season. This team is not asking him to do that. This is a very good roster that they built around him. Be efficient. So let's just say, for example, you have a third and 10, and you think something might open up down the field, but you also have a check down. Just check the ball down. When you look at how good this defense is, Teams are going to have to drive 80 to 85 yards against this defense. Do you think that they're going to have much success doing that consistently throughout the game? No. So all we need Dak Prescott to be is just be efficient. Take what the defense gives you in certain situations. Now, I'm not saying that Dak Prescott should completely and utterly abandon that ability to make plays because he is a playmaker, but there's going to be situations where it calls for that. It doesn't need to be all throughout the course of the game. If Doc Prescott is just efficient, he orchestrates this offense, he plays within the structure of this offense, this team's going to win a lot of games. Because like I said earlier, if you're going to force offenses to drive 80 to 85 yards to score, it's going to be a problem for them. This defense is so good, and the only way teams are going to do consistently score on this defense is if you give them short fields now do I think that these interceptions are something that's going to continue with Dak no and I think that this new coaching staff actually is aware of how good they are on both sides of the ball and I think they're going to instill in the Dak hey sometimes we don't need you to try and make a play sometimes the best play you can make is to just check the ball down get off the field hit the tight end over the middle of the field. We might not get the first down, but you want to know what? We're going to force the opposing offense to drive the length of the field against arguably the most talented defense in the league. We're going to get them next drive. We'll get them next drive. That's the mentality that this offense needs to have. Because, man like I'm going to continue to harp on it this this offense needs to complement this defense this upcoming season and I'm not blaming all these turnovers on Doc Prescott last year there were situations where you know Doc Prescott made the right read he threw the ball in the right window and for some reason a, a receiver didn't run the right route or the concept didn't get uh ran or executed to the extent that it needed to be executed doc was Fine. Like, the, Dak was fine last year. He really was. But just the offense as a whole needs to work together to figure out, you know, these turnover situations. Because if the Cowboys can just play clean football on offense and just fall back on the defense, <laughs> I'm going to say this a lot. They're going to win a lot of games. Let's talk about the running back room. I think that this is a pretty solid room. To me, it all hinges on Tony Poward's health. If he comes back and he's the Tony Power that we know he can be, I think that this room will be fine. I think they have nice complimentary pieces in this room as well. To me, it's going to be interesting to see who's going to be the running back behind Tony Power. because we know that Deuce Vaughn's going to make this team. Mike McCarthy said it after they drafted him. We have a package of plays for, uh, for this guy. They're going to have Deuce Vaughn be a member of this team of the 53-man roster. They're going to carry three running backs. So to me, it's about who can take that running back to position. And that's going to be between Malik Davis, Rico Dowdle, and Ronald Jones. And the one thing that I like what the Cowboys did here is they brought in Ronald Jones more so as insurance because they would prefer if Malik Davis and Rico Dowdle stepped up and took that job. They want that from those two guys. They don't want Ronald Jones being the guy week one for them. Like, they would prefer one of their young guys that they drafted or they signed an undrafted free agency to to step up, develop, and become a player for them. You know, they're cheaper, they're younger. That would be the more desirable situation for them. But, you know, I look at this running back room and... The way I want them to use their running backs, I want them to give Tony Power about 15 carries a game, somewhere around that. You know, because I look at what Shanahan does with, with Christian McCaffrey, and rarely do you see Christian McCaffrey go over 15 carries. I mean, there are games and situations where it calls for Christian McCaffrey to tote the rock more, but, you know, it's not every single game you're seeing him get 21, you know, 26, 27 carries or whatever it may be. There's going to be certain situations where, hey, you know we're playing Philly. We need you to get a majority of the carries. We need you to really take over this game, and that's the thing that I think the Cowboys are going to implement within this offense. And that's fine. Like running back by committee is fine, and I think that's more so where the league is going. I don't think that the the bell cow running back is really a thing anymore. But when you look at Tony Power, I do want. The Cowboys to use him the way that the 49ers used Christian McCaffrey, which is 15 carries a game. You're going to play some receiver as well. You're going to be more than just a running back. And I think for Power's long-term success, because I think that powered can still still has juice in him going forward if they use him a certain type of way. But if they run him into the ground, then you know I don't necessarily see a long shelf life for Tony powered but if they use him as a slot receiver, even if they line him out wide from time to time, you know, I think that you can really take advantage of his ability to be a solid receiver. Because if you can get 1,100 yards rushing from Tony Power, but you get about five to 700 receiving yards, which I think he's capable of doing for this team, then he's a big-time contributor. You got your money's worth there. I mean, 1,800 all-purpose yards, that's incredible. He'll be bidding for an all-pro spot, uh, you know, as a running back, you know? And, and yeah, at that point, you got your money's worth. You got that $10 million that you're paying him on a franchise tag. I'm, I'm not opposed to paying Tony Power at all. You know, it's got to be for the right price, though. Like, I don't want to see that number in, in the double digits. But if you're going to tell me that we can get Tony Power for $7 million a year and it's like a four-year contract but not, you know, there's ways to get out of the contract, I'm perfectly fine with that. Why not? Why not? Tony Powers is a really good football player. You know, he's a, he's a really good running back, but I just think overall his game, he's just a really good all-around running back. But, you know, and, and when I bring up Tony Powers, because I went on a little bit of a tangent there, uh, you know, I do want Malik Davis or Ronald Jones or Rico Dada, whoever is the the second running back on this team, to get about 10 to 15 carries a game. You know, because then at that point... Okay, you give Powered 15 carats. And it's not going to be exact, these specific numbers, you know, because there's going to be situations in the game where it's like, okay, we already gave the ball to Tony Powered 15 times. You know, we're not going to put him out there to, to go over 15. No, there shouldn't be an exact number on this. You know, the situation's going to call for whatever running back you feel like putting on the field. Now, if that's Malik Davis in a certain situation, if that's Tony Powered, if that's Deuce Vaughn, you shouldn't be restricted to a number, but somewhere within that ballpark. Uh, and and to me, that running back two role is going to be huge for the Cowboys. And if one of these guys don't step up, I expect them to go out there and make a move. And there's some names out there. Uh, Dalvin Cook's a name that we heard about. You know, we, everybody talks about Ezekiel Elliott. I don't think it's going to happen, but he's a name that's out there. He can at least be solid for you as a number two running back. The thing is with Zeke, I don't want the Cowboys to bring back Zeke. I really don't because then the politics are going to get involved. Yes, he's not going to be making as much money, but he's still Ezekiel Elliott. That name holds a lot of weight within that organization. And that's the main reason why I want the Cowboys to completely steer clear of re-signing Ezekiel Elliott. Don't want him on this team whatsoever. You know, I love the guy. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Love the guy, but you, you, you have to move on. You have to move on from the guy. And then there's Leonard Fournette out there, who I still think could be a very solid running back for you. So, you know, they, they have options. I'm not necessarily worried about that second running back position outside of Tony Pollard because I feel like they're going to be able to find a way to get a solid guy back there. And then, you know, the third running back Hunter Lipke, or not Hunter Lipke, I'm sorry, Deuce Vaughn, he's the guy, he's going to be on this team, and that's perfectly fine. You know, he's a running back that complements this room. He's your scat back. He's a guy that you can dump the ball off to on a screen, and he'll somehow find you a way to get 10 yards. You know, not every single time, but I'm just saying, you know, there, there's going to be situations where you're just going to be able to dump the ball off to him, and because he's so quick, he's going to be able to beat defenders to a spot, and you're going to get yards because of it. So overall, the running back room, I feel, I feel, I feel okay about it. You know, I I feel fine about it. I think, I think they'll find a way to have a solid room and I think it's going to be a productive room. Let's talk about Hunter Lipke. This is a guy that I'm very excited about. I think that he makes this team. One thing that good offensive coordinators and play callers do is they steal from other really good play callers and offensive coordinators. Like, for example, Kyle Shanahan does a very good job of taking what worked in the past, putting his own spin on it, and adjusting it for the new NFL. I think that Mike McCarthy should do the same thing. And when you look at how Kyle Shanahan uses that fullback, you use check, he's one of the most important players on that offense. He's one of the most important players on that entire offense. I mean, you look at what he does for that offense. He pass catches out of the backfield, or lined up a tight end in the slot, whatever it may be. He's a very good lead blocker. He can pass block as well. He's good in short-yarded situations. You can hand him the football. There's so many things that he does for that offense, and that's something that I hope the Cowboys copy from the 49ers and use with Hunter Lipke, because I think that he could be a very effective player on this offense. You know, when you look at this guy, this is a guy that can pass catch, whether it be out of the backfield or line up at tight end, just like Juszczyk. Good lead blocker, good pass blocker. He's an all-around player, can carry the football, get you some some tough yards there. just an all-around good football player. And and I think that, you know, ultimately he does make this team, and I think they're going to carry a fullback. This is something that Mike McCarthy has done in the past with John Kuhn and hopefully this is the direction they're going to go. Let's go over the wide receivers. I really like this unit, and the reason why I like this unit is I feel like these receivers complement each other. You look at the top three guys on this team. CeeDee Lamb is your guy that dominates the middle of the field. You'll get Brandon Cooks. He's your vertical threat, but he's also your route runner as well. Brandon Cooks is a very good route runner. That's something that people really underrate in his game. This guy is probably one of the 10 to 15 best route runners in football. Good short area quickness separates well at the top of the route. There's so many things that Brandon Cooks can do for this offense. And then you have Michael Gallup. He's your ex-receiver. He's your contested catch guy. You know, to me, Michael Gallup, what are my expectations for him going into this season? I think that Michael Gallup will be better than he was last season. But to me, I have to see it to believe it. You know, like I know what Michael Gallup is capable of. I know the the talent that Michael Gallup possesses. It's all about him having the confidence within himself coming off of that ACL tear, will he be able to, you know, dig his foot in the ground uh, the way that he used to? Because that's one thing when you come off an ACL tear as a wide receiver, that's the one thing that's big for them, being able to dig their foot in the ground and separate or not separate, but you know, break off their routes. Like those are things that wide receivers really do care about coming off that type of injury. So, to me, is Michael Gallup going to be able to come off that injury and finally be the receiver that we know he can be, that he's shown in the past that he can be? This past season, I'll give him a mulligan for this season, but my eyes are on him. I'm not going into the season and saying, oh, we're good here. There's nothing to see with Michael Gallup. We know what we can expect from the guy. We don't know what to expect from Michael Gallup. We don't know what to expect from this guy. But I can tell you this, if he's at least 2021 Michael Gallup, I think you're in for you know, you know, a good season when it comes to your wide receivers. Like That could be huge for this unit because if he's your wide receiver three and he could put up 900 yards, that, that would be big for them. And not only put up 900 yards, but be effective in doing so, right? Because to me, stats only matter so much, right? Like somebody can put up good stats, but when you look at them, it's just like, eh, you're not as good as the stats are telling me you are. So to me, it's about Michael Gallup getting back to what he was before that ACL injury. Because what he was before that ACL injury was a legitimate number two receiver. I think the best situation for the Cowboys would be for Michael Gallup to elevate himself to be that number two receiver so that Brandon Cooks can be a number three receiver. I mean, granted, the whole wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three thing is is all played out. It's too played out for me. I, I don't necessarily look at it like that, especially when you look at this unit. You know, Michael Gallup, Cooks, and, and CeeDee Lamb are going to be on the field a lot. You know, these are it's, it's not like these guys have similar skill sets and they're fighting for reps. No, these guys all have different skill sets that complement each other, like I said. So they're going to spend a lot of time on the field together. Like That's just what's going to be the case. CeeDee Lamb can play a majority of his snaps in the slot. Those two can play a majority of their snaps lined up out wide. And it's going to be kumbaya. But I do want Michael Gallup to be the second best receiver on this team. And not because it's by default. I want him to play up to that. I want him to play up to being that uh, wide receiver too. If he can be better than Brandon Cooks this year because he's actually like really damn good And not because Brandon Cooks like fell off a cliff, which I don't think is going to happen, by the way. That would be the ideal situation for the Cowboys. Because then if you do have to move on from Brandon Cooks, then you feel confident saying Michael Gallup is that dude as a second wide receiver. We're good here. That would be my dream scenario. Is that going to happen? I don't think it will, but... Man, that would really take this offense to a different level. And we'll get more into it when we talk about the uh, wide receivers more in depth. Jalen Tolbert, Simi Fioco. I think that they're going to be the fourth and fifth wide receivers on this team. Whatever way that goes, whoever gets more reps, I don't know. But then I think they're going to carry six wide receivers because I think that they're going to carry Kevontae Turpin. I don't think they're going to cut Kevontae Turpin. I don't think that's going to be the case. They're going to carry six wide receivers, and he's going to be the sixth wide receiver. Hopefully, he can bring something to this offense. But again, I'm going to talk about that more in depth when I talk about the wide receiver unit on a future podcast. Let's move on to the tight ends here. In this room, I think that the three guys that are going to make this team are Peyton Hendershot, Jake Ferguson, and Luke Schoonmaker. I don't think they're going to carry a fourth tight end, especially when you talk about carrying a fullback. I think if they're going to carry Hunter Lipke, I can't see them carrying a fullback and four tight ends. It's just unrealistic, and especially because... Even when you had that fourth tight end in Sean McKeon, he was doing more fullback things. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I think they're only going to carry three tight ends. I think that Sean McKeon is going to be on their practice squad. I'll get more into him on uh, the podcast where we talk about the tight ends. But when you look at this room, one thing that I really like is just like the receiver room. These guys complement each other. You look at Jake Ferguson. He's your end line type of tight end that can detach from the line of scrimmage and play slot. Good route runner, good after the catch, I think can be a vertical threat for this team. He hasn't shown that yet in the NFL, but I think that he has that ability to do that. Uh, Luke Schoonmaker, to me, really good blockers. A a lot of similar traits to Jake Ferguson, but I think what separates him and Jake Ferguson is that this guy isn't just a good blocker. This guy is a great blocker at the tight end position. Like I look at him and I think that his ceiling could be a guy like a George Kittle when it comes to just blocking. But when it comes to receiving, I don't think that Michigan really unlocked his potential as a receiver. I mean, you look at this guy, there were 1105 tight ends tested in the Raw Athletic Score in the history of that score of, of that program. Luke Schoonmaker was the 16th ranked tight end in terms of raw athletic profile in the history of that program. That just shows you how good of an athlete this guy is. So there is big potential here with Luke Schoonmaker. And if I can go off on a tangent here, when you look at the Luke Schoomaker picking the draft, I 100% understood it. At the time, I was just like, Luke Schoomaker, you know, Darnell Washington was there. But we see what Darnell Washington has been so far in, you know, the OTAs over in Pittsburgh. And I'm kind of happy that the Cowboys decided not to, uh, you know, take up Darnell Washington in the draft, you know, because they were going to draft a tight end anyway. They wanted Luke Schoomaker in the third round or, or, or somebody around that grade. And I don't think they would have liked to. they would have gotten in the third round. So they just said, hey, look, he might not be the best player available, but this is a position that we want to invest in. And we need to make sure that we get our guy here. Because I think the Cowboys are going to run a lot of 12 personnel this upcoming season. And when you run 12, 13 personnel, obviously the tight ends are important. So, you know, I think that Luke Schoonmaker does add something to the room that I don't think it had before. And that's an excellent blocker who does have upside as a receiver. I think that Luke Schoonmaker has a higher ceiling than Jake Ferguson. And people talk about Luke Schoonmaker's age. You know, here's the thing, right? Some people develop later into their life. You know what I'm saying? Like when I was in high school, my junior year or maybe my senior year, I think I graduated and I was like 5'11", 6' tall. I'm like 6'3". Now. You know, so people can develop later into their life And I think that's what Luke Schoomaker did here. Um, You know, obviously he's going to be 25 at the start of the season. Like that is old for a prospect flat out, but I don't necessarily think that that means he's not going to be as good as the Cowboys hope he can be. I think he could still be a very good player in the NFL might be for a shorter time period than some of the other tight ends that got drafted, but, but I believe in the guy, you know, and, and one thing that the Luke Schoomaker pick really did is it gave the Cowboys insurance, Right. I think they think Le- Jake Ferguson can be a tight end one. And I think they think he could be a good one. But this, this position, I think, is very important to what the Cowboys are going to do next season. And I think they looked at it and they were just like, hey, look, you know, we need to have insurance in case Jake isn't as good as we think he can be. Not saying that he won't be, just saying if that is the case, we have insurance and there's a guy that, that we like here. And then you have Peyton Hendershot, <clears throat> We can talk about him real quick. He's the type of guy that he's not going to play in line often. He's a guy who's going to be detached from the line of scrimmage. Big slot type of uh, tight end, which is fine. Like, I think that's what the Cowboys need. He definitely improved as a blocker. And, you know, they really like him in that building. They think that Peyton Hendershot can be a guy for them. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see if that ends up being the case. But, you know, I, I like what I see from this room. I really do. Like I think that there is potential within this room. Is there proven talent? No, but there is potential in this room. And I think that this could be a strong part of the Cowboys offense. There, there is the potential to be that now we're on to the offensive line union. To be honest with you, this is where I have my most concern on this offense. And it's not even the starting five that concerns me. It's the health of the starting five and it's the depth on this offensive line. To me, The starting five should go as follows. Tyron Smith at left tackle, Tyler Smith at left guard, Tyler Biotic at center, Zach Martin at right guard, Terrence Steele at right tackle. That should be the five. They shouldn't move Terrence to left guard. You know, they shouldn't move Tyron Smith to right tackle. He wasn't that good at right tackle, to be honest with you. But, you know, that to me should be the starting five. And the way I would handle a Tyron Smith injury, do a one-for-one swap. If you like, well let's go put let's go in there. If you don't like, well let's go find a backup left tackle, whether it's on the free agency market, whether it's in a trade. Find somebody that could be a suitable left tackle for you if Tyron Smith goes down. You don't want to move Tyler Smith the left tackle and then move a left guard in there. Now you're doing a two-for-one switch. That's something that bit the Cowboys in the behind in previous years. Just do a one-for-one switch. Keep the continuity, uh, you know, a thing on this offensive line. And that's how I feel like this offensive line could be at its best. But to me, good offensive line unit if it could stay healthy. It's a big if, though. I mean, that's just a big if. This unit has shown that they can't stay healthy. I mean, this unit was going to be the same unit that, it was last year. Like this was supposed to be the starting five for last year. And we never saw it, not once throughout the season, you know? So that's something to look out for. And in terms of depth on the offensive line, I, 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 I don't love the depth they have on this offensive line. Like, I, I really don't. You know, I'll get more into it when I do my podcast about the offensive line. But I mean, who are your backup offensive linemen? Chuma, Doga, okay, Matt Forniak, Matt Wetsko, Josh Ball. I, uh, eh, eh, I don't know. I am not confident in that unit whatsoever. Awesome Richards, a rookie, who I think he, who I think could be good in this league, but he's a rookie and he still has some things that he needs to work on to really become a true legitimate NFL offensive lineman. So yeah, I have some concerns with this unit in terms of just health, health because as a starting unit, this is a good starting unit. But, you know, to me, this is a unit, like, if you want to run the football, you got that. Like, you're going to be able to do that with this offensive line. Tyler Smith's shown that he is a very good run blocker. Same thing with Terrence Steele. And Zach Martin has proven that he's just good at everything. But, you know, that's where I think the strength of this offensive line lies. I think they're a better run blocking unit than a pass blocking unit. But overall, good unit. I think it'll get the job done. I've seen teams win Super Bowls with worse offensive lines than this one. This is still a very good unit. Like, don't get it twisted. Even though we're worried about, you know, the left tackle position with Tyron Smith and if we're going to have a left guard, we have concerns about this offensive line. It's still one of the best units in the league, you know, because I think they have four good offensive linemen at minimum. If Tyron Smith plays, they have five good offensive linemen. You don't see that all too often throughout the league where you have a situation where you have five good offensive linemen, or even four, or even in some cases, three good offensive linemen. So the Cowboys are in a good situation in terms of you know, their offensive line. There's just some questions, and I think that out of all the offensive units, this, this unit in particular has the most questions of them all. But that's going to be it for the episode, though, guys. If you haven't already, please make sure to hit that like button and subscribe if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And for the next episode, I'm going to be going over the coaches uh, on the offensive side of the ball. We're going to do a deep dive into Mike McCarthy and Brian Schottenheimer on the next episode. But until then, I will see you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Cowboys Beat Audio Podcast. Please make sure to follow the show and leave a review. We'll We'll see you you next next time time on on the Cowboys Cowboys Beat 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 Audio Audio Podcast.